0: From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Hey,
1: everybody! Welcome, everybody. Look at this. This is great! Uh, welcome to Ask Me Another, the show that is bar trivia for people cleaning their bathroom. Uh, this is exciting. We have a great show for you. We have four brilliant contestants. They're backstage right now, worrying about something they said to a coworker three weeks ago. But soon they'll be up here to play some nerdy games with us, and one of them will become our big winner. And we have an amazing special guest. Comedian Aparna Nanchurla is going to be here. Aparna actually came up in the Washington, D.C. improv scene, which I believe is the only place in Washington, D.C. where you'll hear the words, yes, and. Uh, I'm going to be talking to her about her career and her comedy. One of the things I love about her comedy is, I mean, it's smart and it's uh, wry, but also she talks openly about her depression and anxiety in a very thoughtful and hilarious way. Um, Anxiety and depression are interesting topics to talk about on stage, but I feel at this point of the year, right now, in New York, I can no longer tell if I'm depressed (laughs) or if it's just the lack of light... (laughs) But luckily, I live in New York, so I'll never know. <laughs> I'll never know. I actually think New York City, I, I always think, like, why people come here, they're like, what do you love the most about New York City? Do you have tourists come here and they're like, what do you love about being here? Yeah, sure. And what do you tell them? Yeah, uh, sometimes it's hard to come up with anything. Because <laughs> either the convenience, like, there's so many great yeah, things to do. are Right, 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 right. the
0: Broadway shows, the museums. <laughs> the Broadway. <laughs> I'm constantly going to museums and Broadway shows. <laughs> right. Every day.
1: As a resident of New York, I wake up in the morning, I hit two Broadway shows, (laughs) spend a night at the museum, get a bacon, egg, and cheese. Bacon, egg, and cheese from a hilarious character. (laughs) 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 I think it is one of the number one cities in the world to cry in public. It is. (laughs) Right? It is wonderful to cry. No one bothers you when you cry in public here. No one's like, how are you doing? Are you okay? No. No, you are finally left alone to experience New York in any way you choose. I like crying. Uh, my favorite place to cry is actually on the subway because, right, because uh, I'm on an emotional journey and I'm going somewhere. So, you know, it's like multitasking. I'm getting a lot of things done. And I like crying on the A.C. line. The A.C.E. line is my favorite line to cry. Yeah the blue line. It's the saddest line. <laughs> Later in the show, we're actually going to be playing a game about phone numbers. That almost sounds antiquated. Phone numbers. not charming? Uh, and you know, with the way you get spam calls now, there is a certain different ways they try to trick you. Like, how about the ones where it kind of looks like your phone number? Did you guys get those? That is the weirdest psychology. Like, you might be like, I'm calling me? I wonder what I would say. I don't pick those up either. I'm like, I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> All I do is try to figure out how to get her to shut up. <laughs> All right, everybody, let's play some games. Our first two contestants will play a game about jobs. You know what they say. All work and no play makes Jack a freelancer. <laughs> First up, Adrian Claremont. You're a med student at Cornell. Yes, that's right. Yes, very, that's inspiring uh, specifically to me because you, you said you took off about 10 years and then decided to go back to med school. How are you enjoying the actual workload? Um, so something
2: that a lot of people might not know is that uh, the preclinical part, the classroom part of med uh-huh. school is actually all pass-fail. Oh. So we say P for, for equals MD.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I'm sure everyone finds very reassuring. Yeah, that's very frightening. <laughs> very, very frightening. All right, Adrian, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Nicole Lindenbaum. You work in marketing for a software company and you love Hallmark movies. I yes. do, yes. I really do. Okay. A specific genre, or them on uh, and as a whole. Yeah.
2: Well, so I love them as a whole, but yes. there is a specific genre that my best friend and I have labeled "business Christmas," which is about. <laughs> 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 it is about the high-powered businesswoman living in a big city mm. who somehow ends up in a small town, falls in love with the local handyman, and realizes that Christmas is more important than business. <laughs>
1: Nicole, would you ring in? We'll hear this. Adrian and Nicole, whoever has more points after two games, will go on to our final round. So, this trivia game is called Please Quit Your Day Job. Jonathan and I will tell you about early careers of famous thinkers, and you're going to ring in and tell us who we are describing. All right, here we go. How many former telegraph operators does it take to screw in a commercial incandescent light bulb? Ask this guy because he invented them. Adrian. Thomas Edison? That is correct. This
0: 1911 Nobel-winning chemist was no free radical. First, she worked as a tutor to send her older sister to medical school. Then, she got to pursue her interest in radioactive elements. Adrian.
2: Marie Curie?
0: Yeah, that's right. By night, she's Selena Montgomery, author of romantic thrillers. By day, she's the Georgia politician who delivered the Democratic response to the State of the Union. Nicole.
1: Stacey Abrams. Yeah, that's right. Uh, here's a plot summary for her actual book called Hidden Sins. Wild child Mara Reed is on the run from two murderous thugs and she goes into hiding in her small Texas hometown. There, an unexpected savior comes to her aid, Dr. Ethan Stewart, a hunky anthropologist <laughs> whose heart Mara once broke and betrayed and he's the only man she's truly ever loved. Well, that's a Hallmark movie for sure. Yeah. <laughs> This mathematician got his start in a patent office and went on to come up with a theory of relativity, which helps explain why time slows down the closer you get to marrying your cousin. (laughs) Nicole. Albert Einstein. That is true,
0: yes. Before supporting the U.S. government as its first female secretary of state, this diplomat advocated for a different kind of support, bras. She sold them in her local department store as her first paying job. Nicole.
1: Madeleine Albright. You got it. This is your last clue. This man had a summer job scooping ice cream at a Baskin-Robbins in Honolulu. He went from 31 flavors to 44th president. Adrian. Barack Obama. Yeah, that's correct. All right, great game. We have a tie right now, so... See what happens in our next game. Next, we'll play a game about phone numbers. You know, instead of answering the phone with hi, I like to answer with why. (laughs) This is an audio quiz called Sing the Phone Book. I'll read a phone number from the lyrics of a famous song. Ring in and identify the artist. And if you need a hint, we will play the clip. And the points are doubled. Whoever wins this will go to our final round. Whoever loses, our intern will text you every day with just the word, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go Eight six seven five three o oh, nine. 5309. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's play the hint. Nicole.
2: Well, I obviously knew the song was 867 yeah. Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> sure. um, and it's a one-hit wonder who is potentially whammy,
1: whammo, wham. No, no. Okay. Many things were correct. Got it. Yeah. Adrian, can you steal? No. Okay. The answer is Tommy Two-Tone. Here's your next one. 4894608 <laughs> Patriot's looking at me like this is the game? <laughs> <laughs> this is the game. All right, let's play the clip. Who, who is that? I'm not sure. Okay, anyone out there? Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. It's a song, Diary. Six, seven, eight, triple nine, eight, two, one, two. <laughs> Let's play the clip. I really want to kiss you, but I can't. So sad, I can't, triple nine, eight, two, one, two. Oh. Take me. Adrian. Soldier Boy? That is correct! In the UK, there's a number of an actual middle aged British couple who then got bombarded with phone calls at the height of that song's popularity. And one half of the couple told reporters, I suppose it's amusing, but we wish it would stop.
0: (laughs) It's a very British complaint, yeah.
1: This is your last clue. 6060842. No, that's not just in your head all the time. All right, let's play the clip.
2: If you'd like a very nice time, just give this number a call.
3: It was 6060842. And I'm waiting for you.
1: Adrian, the B 52s? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Maybe in the future we'll play a game about two factor authentication. (laughs) (laughs) So great. All right, great game. Adrian, you are the winner, and you'll be headed off to our final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Adrian in our final round, and we'll talk to a part of who plays Grace on Corporate, the Comedy Central show, about working in an office. We'll ping her and hop on a conference call so we can circle back and get the ball rolling. <laughs> I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. <laughs> Support for NPR and the following message comes from The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury items. Shop luxury clothing, accessories, and fine art at unreal prices from your favorite designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Cartier, and hundreds more. And The Real Real guarantees each item is authentic. Shop in store, on the app, or at therealreal.com, and receive 20% off select items with the promo code Real. This message comes from NPR sponsor Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. With a franchise network of highly trained agents and advanced marketing tools, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services network members aim to provide something more than just real estate. They think beyond the next transaction and build relationships based on your long-term goals to ensure you'll get all the value that a home brings, year after year, home after home. All that more they do? That's home services. Start your home search at BerkshireHathawayHS.com.
2: It has already been an eventful summer in politics.
0: Yeah, between the 2020 debates and the president's battle over immigration, there's a lot going on.
2: And when there's news you need to know about, the NPR Politics Podcast is there to tell you what happened.
0: Not to mention we're hitting the road so you can meet all of the 2020 contenders. Oh, NPR is going to drive me completely crazy. Okay. <laughs> the NPR Politics Podcast. Subscribe! Mm. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now, here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. She's one of the top comedians working today. She recently appeared in a Super Bowl commercial and stars in the Comedy Central show Corporate. Please welcome Aparna Nanchurla. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. I learned right before you came on the show that you used to be an NPR intern. Correct. W- and in the D.C. office. Yes. What show were you working on?
3: I believe I was working, oh my gosh, I can't even remember. I was a web intern, okay. so I kind of floated. Sure. I think I mainly worked on the homepage. <laughs> It needs a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the front, what do you call it, customer service, the front-facing. That's yeah. right.
1: That's the first thing. Everyone yes. judges everything by. Yes.
3: How long were you there? I was year? there, I guess it's per semester. Because right. it's like for college. I was out of college, but, you know, I was figuring out life. <laughs> sure. Through radio. Yeah. Through
1: radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how did you like the uh, environment of, of the NPR DC office?
3: I have a confession that I did not know that much about NPR. Like I had friends in high school who listened to NPR, and I was like, "Seems like something I should get in on." So <laughs> then, when I started interning, people would be like, "You know, like oh, I was in the elevator with, you know, uh, Robert Siegel." Yes. Or yeah. And I was, I was like, "How did they know? Because it's radio," you know. <laughs> I, I was like, I guess he just does vocal exercises in the elevator. I also read that you seriously
1: considered going to West Point. Oh, yes. This Wh- is a big one. So so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I know very little about this other than West Point is a military academy. Yes. Okay. Why uh, did you want to go there?
3: I think uh, the simplest way to say it is I grew up during the Gulf War and I fully was brainwashed by the military propaganda. In such a way that I was like, I have to serve my country. Really? Yes. Okay. It feels very vulnerable to say that in Brooklyn. (laughs) Yeah, right. I know. Because everyone's like, she's a soldier. (laughs) You better be fighting for the rights of... You guys got to support the troops and the almost troops. (laughs) And the almost (laughs) troops. Okay, so you, you changed your mind,
1: though, and decided to go to a liberal arts college.
3: Yeah, the, the you know, the natural alternative. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> but what was the moment where you just stopped this path?
3: I ran track and cross-country in high school, and I the college I went to ended up going to was Amherst, and they were like, you can run for our track team. So I was like, okay, I'll still be... Pushing myself. (laughs) Okay. I just won't have a machine gun. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Felt a lot better. (laughs) So then, 2003, you decided to try stand up for the first time on your 20th birthday. Yes. Wow. You got the date and everything. (laughs) NPR, baby. This is a, I mean, the idea <laughs> of deciding to do stand up for the first time on your birthday to me is incredible high stakes.
3: It is. It is, and it isn't because you, I definitely brought it up like within the first 10 seconds I was on stage. Of course. To milk the sympathy. Yeah. Yeah, and like, when it's when it my c- birthday, it's my first time. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it was at a uh, Best Western hotel? Yeah.
3: It was like a. So they like had a triple, showroom? Yeah. They had a showroom. It was really, like, where a lot of truckers went to, like, Mm -hmm. have a drink because it was, like, where a lot of interstates intersect. Yeah, it was pretty much a dream first time. (laughs) And was this their amateur night or open mic night? Yeah, it was like a, They had like Tuesday, Wednesday open mic night, and anyone could sign up. And some of my friends and I, we went there like earlier in the summer, and we kind of sussed out the scene because two of us wanted to try it, and we were like, "Well, it doesn't it seems like everyone isn't you know at a at a professional level, so we could try." And I I do think like I got a lot of sympathy just because people are like, "Why is she doing this?" <laughs>
1: Just the curiosity and the fact that this was happening at all. Yeah.
3: And I think it was just, like, a lot of, like, loud white men and then this, like, little ghost.
1: Yeah. (laughs) 2013, you... Went on to do a late night spot on Conan. Mm-hmm. And this is a specific moment too because it was, you were hailed as the first South Asian female stand up comic to appear on late night.
3: And I will say that I and a friend planted this information in the news. You did? <laughs> yes. Because. I was working at Totally Biased at the time <laughs> with a colleague of mine, Hari Kondabolu, who's also a comedian. And after I did that Conan spot, he was like, are you the first Indian American? And I was like, I, I don't know. I, th- I can't think of anyone else. And he was like, I think you are. I'm going to tip off Jezebel.
1: Brilliant.
3: The most Brooklyn sentence ever said. <laughs> I'm going to tip off Jezebel. But we basically, he put it out there in the hopes of being corrected, and then we weren't.
1: And speaking of your act, uh, you know, around 2014, uh, you became a little bit more confessional, Mm -hmm. talking about your own experiences with depression, anxiety on stage, and using that for comedic fodder. And also, it actually is a a lot of vulnerability to throw out there. So, you know, what for you, um, did you decide, like, no, I I actually want to do this?
3: yeah I think honestly, I started talking about mental health as a as a byproduct of actually really struggling with it at the time that I started writing about it, and it was almost that I was having trouble writing in general because it was consuming so much of my brain, so I was like, well I'll just, I'll just write about this, you yeah. know if these voices are not going to shut up, then I'm just going to put them in the act. right you know <laughs> yeah. Now, sometimes I almost worry where it's the opposite extent where they're like, we run the show. You know, we're like, we're your brand now. And I'm like, no, you're not. Get out of here, depression. <laughs> I, I banish you. Yeah.
1: Oh. Uh, and then recently you were in a Super Bowl commercial. It's true. With uh, Michael Buble. I know.
3: So. <laughs> I know. That, yeah. If you had to pick a celebrity, I, know, I mean, it's... come on.
1: Uh, You obviously knew you were auditioning for a Super Bowl commercial, or was it something that...
3: They asked me... Were they... Wow, okay. Like, I have ideas, because it's a seltzer commercial. And the last late nights that I did, I did pro-seltzer materials. So that's... (laughs) So they were like, we need someone who's not coming down hard on seltzer. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And you currently play a woman who works in HR, Grace. Yes. On Comedy Central's corporate. Did you base the character of Grace on anyone that you know or have met?
3: I think I just based it on every office job I've ever had, (laughs) and being like half checked out. Have you had a lot of office jobs? I temped uh, a lot when I when I lived in LA, and then before that, my main job was actually working at a trade magazine that studied how to make your employees do their jobs better.
1: No. So
3: it was like a meta job, and it was the worst job to be, you know, not invested in because I, I was like writing articles on how to motivate your employees. With like 17 other tabs open <laughs> on my browser. <laughs> that is kind of like working in HR as yes. a magazine format. Yes, it was like an HR magazine, yeah. Is that magazine still happening? Yeah, I believe so. It's called, should I say, oh, I guess, what, what are they going to do? Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's called D. It's like trading and development. Magazine. Yeah, yeah, pretty sexy. All right.
1: Aparna, are you ready for an, your Ask Me Another I'm Challenge? I'm so
3: excited about this game. And okay. And you guys will
1: see why. Aparna, we, we asked you, what would you like to play a game about? <laughs> and you said, since you were a psych major, you wanted to do something to do with your brain. Yes. Not your brain, the brain. The brain. <laughs> but then we looked on your Instagram, mm. and we noticed that you love dogs. Ooh. Do you have a dog? Nope. I just covet I covet yes so we've combined those topics in a game called Dognitive psychology (gasps) okay okay so if you do well enough listener Janae Innes from Johns Creek Georgia will win an ask me another Rubik's Cube okay okay ooh Janae it's gonna go great multiple choice Okay, great. Perfect. So in 1989, a researcher at the University of California, Santa Barbara tested color vision in dogs. What did he find? A, dogs can only see in black and white. B, dogs can see shades of blue, yellow, and gray. Mm. Or C, dogs have
3: full color vision just like humans.
1: <gasps>
3: oh man, now I'm now I'm like, well, the Simpsons. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Beep. Yeah, that's correct.
1: Oh. Dogs can see shades of blue, yellow, and gray. Okay. Yeah.
3: Shades true. of blue. That's a J-Lo show. <laughs> shades of blue. Exactly. <laughs> that is a J-Lo I guess show. I'm doing cross now. <laughs> I don't good, know. That's good.
1: Uh, when Hungarian researchers studied dogs' brains using fMRI machines, what did they find? A. Dogs can't distinguish human voices from other non dog animals. B, dogs can distinguish human voices, but they can't detect emotion. Or C, dogs can tell the difference between happy human sounds and sad human sounds. Oh. C? Yes, yeah, he's right. Oh.
3: I have a lot of doubt because I just want to nail it for Janae. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so
1: dogs can tell the difference between happy human sounds and sad human sounds. Hmm. I think Sad Human Sounds is a great name for a comedy album. (laughs) According to a study published in Applied Animal Behavioral Science in 2016, what physical characteristics appeared on dogs who exhibit anxious or impulsive behaviors? A, their hair turned prematurely gray. B, their ears get droopy. Or C, they slobber more. I'll go with C. They slobber more? Yeah. I'm sorry, humans do that. (laughs) Um, In this case, A, their hair turns prematurely gray within one
3: to three years. Wow. I know, I know. I guess I I thought because some breeds are all gray. Yeah, it would be hard to tell. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, are they okay? (laughs) They're super anxious. (laughs) Do not buy
1: a gray dog. The study sampled 400 dogs found in dog parks where they're not anxious ever. Oh. Uh, it found that dogs described by their owners as displaying more anxious or impulsive behaviors tend to prematurely gray around wow. their muscles.
3: There you go.
1: It's going to get better, everybody. It's going to be okay.
3: That's almost like a five o'clock shadow.
1: Yeah. yeah. I know. Maybe they're just maturing. <laughs> yeah. Alright, this is your last clue. Dogs have a famously good sense of smell. That part I thought of- you
3: were gonna say humor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know.
1: They they do. The part of their brain devoted to smell is actually proportionally 40 times larger than ours. But according mm. to Swedish zoologist Matthias Laska, humans are more sensitive than dogs to certain smells, including what? A meat, B, fruit, C poop. What are we better at? Fruit? Yeah, fruit. (laughs) Yeah. They don't care about plants or flowers. All right, congratulations, Aparna. (gasps) You and Janae Innes won Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube.
3: Thank goodness.
1: Aparna will be back later in the show to play another game. Give it up for Aparna Nanchirla, everybody. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next two contestants will play a game about things that were initially hated but are now beloved, like Anne Hathaway. Let's meet them. First up, Stephen Powell. You are an actor. What is something you used to hate but now love? I resisted
2: Harry Potter. Oh cool. yeah, yeah, I heard, yeah, I know, I, I know. know, but the end of that is that I love it because I did watch the movies, I just didn't want to read the books, but I saw the third movie and I was
0: like, this is a great movie, <laughs> and uh, the fifth book was just coming out, so I got to read all five books in a row, yeah. and then like two years to read the last two, so.
1: yeah, I Binge really lit's like pretty good, right? <laughs> Who? Binge Lit. That's where you read books. <laughs> 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 okay, Stephen, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Eli Robinson. You're the COO of a technology company. What is something you used to hate but now love? I'd say my brother.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, we had, a, we had a real slow start, a decade, Yeah. but he's, uh, he's really growing on me and yeah. not going anywhere. So I'm glad to have him. <laughs>
1: uh, Eli, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Remember, Stephen and Eli, whoever has more points after two games will go to our final round. Let's go to your first game. So, genius isn't always appreciated in its own time. So, in this trivia game, Jonathan and I will tell you about now popular things Mm. that were critically panned when they first appeared. Ring in and identify what we are describing. Here we go. Shortly after this Parisian building's construction, writer Guy de Maupassant threw his baguette on the ground and denounced it as a giant and disgraceful skeleton. Eiffel Tower? That is correct, yeah. He said that he enjoyed eating in the Eiffel Tower because it was the only place where you couldn't see the tower.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was a sick burn right there. Yeah, it's
1: pretty good. It's pretty good.
0: In 1911, French general and World War I commander Ferdinand Foch called the Wright brothers all wrong, saying their invention was an interesting toy of no military value. Eli. The airplane? Yeah, that's right. This artist sent his friend a lithograph of what would later be considered his first masterpiece, the potato eaters. (laughs) His friend called it superficial and replied, you can do better than this. Eli. Van Gogh? Yeah, that's right.
1: In 1902, the Washington Post called this two-wheeled transportation device a passing fancy. In tandem, the New York Sun called it a fad, and experts went along for the ride saying the popularity of the wheel is doomed. Later, they all had to backpedal. Stephen. The bicycle? That is correct. (laughs) The New
0: Yorker's first pop critic described this 1969 music festival as, quote, bourgeois at its core, and said, we should insist that the capitalists who produce rock concerts offer reasonable service at reasonable prices. At least it went better than the fire Festival. Stephen,
1: Woodstock. Yeah, Yay. you got it. Festivals are very reasonable now. I'm <laughs> glad someone responded to that. Yeah. I think it's wonderful when a bottle of water is only $12. That's (laughs) right. And you pee outside? Okay. (laughs) This is your last clue. This man wrote many symphonies, and like innings in a baseball game, it was the ninth one that put the patience of the audience to a severe trial, according to an 1800s music journal. Eli. Bach? Sorry, that is incorrect. Good guess. Stephen, can you steal?
2: I think I can. Beethoven?
1: That is correct, yes. All right, great game. It's a tie. All right. If you were into the show before it was cool, why not be a contestant? Go to amatigas.org to find out how. Coming up, we have a game about stores that went out of business. Next year, the game will be called What's a Store? <laughs> I'm Ophira Eisberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR.
0: Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age.
3: Americans kind of owe recycling
2: to the mafia. And a huge mistake by this guy.
1: Garbage in New York, that was like a controlled substance. There was a cartel that controlled
3: the flow of garbage.
2: Why we started recycling on NPR's Planet Money
3: podcast.
0: This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
1: Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Steve and Eli. Soon they'll play a game about bygone retail chains. You know, I used to go to the mall to get everything. Clothes, pizza, boyfriends. Now I just order them all online. (laughs) Let's check in with our contestants. Steven, a year ago, you taught yourself how to knit.
2: Yes. It's Uh, very fun. Everyone should do it. What have you made? I made a hat that I have with me tonight. Awesome. Uh, I've made two baby blankets. Sweet. And I've
0: made a couple scarves. Yeah. But don't do it because all you'll end up doing is all your free time. You're like, yeah, I'm watching TV, but I could be knitting too. Like you always feel like you could be doing something. But
1: that's great. I think that's good. Yeah.
0: Until you drop a sitch.
1: I know. And then you have to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to your next game. Eli, what store do you wish would just close and go away? I'd have to say the IHOP. Uh, wow.
2: Well, I'm a big Waffle House guy. I see. Yeah. And I'm kind of tired of people thinking that they're comparable. Uh, so what's, yep. what's
1: the main difference <laughs> for you?
2: Well, there's the waffles and pancakes thing. Uh, but, uh, but you get, can't... You getting oh, get your hash brown, scattered, smothered, covered, chunk-topped, diced, and peppered at the Waffle House. Like, yeah. Come on. That's the real deal.
1: <laughs> so this is a music parody game about stores that went bust. Each clue is a pop song rewritten to be about
0: a popular brick-and-mortar retail chain that went out of business. As a clue, each song charted in the year the store closed. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that'll definitely help you. Great. Just ring in and tell me the retailer that I'm singing about, and if you get that right, you can earn a bonus point if you name the original song or the artist who made it famous. You ready? Let's do it. All right. This song is from 2011. Brick and mortar's really losing dough. Though my friends preferred your coffee shop to Barnes and Noble's. They bought you when you're gone now, so. You're a bookstore bathroom where I used to go. Just a bookstore bathroom where I used to go. Stephen. Borders. Borders is correct. Yes. And for a bonus point, can you name the original song or artist? The lovely Gautier? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This song is from 2008. Na 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 na. I need a garbage can. Na 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 I need a bedroom fan. So so what? I bought a duvet, also a bath mat, exasperator. You're out, but Bed Bath and Beyond's a store that's not gone. Got fifty coupons, all right? Mm. <laughs> Eli.
2: Brown Squirrel Furniture? We used to have one in Tennessee. I don't know if it's still there. If that's right, I'm going to be upset.
1: (laughs) It was worth a shot.
0: That's a fine answer. It is
1: incorrect. Thank you. I like the idea, though, that some of these have been written about your hometown.
0: (laughs) I didn't
2: know
1: it was in other places.
0: Uh, Stephen, do you have a bizarre local store that you would like to name? Uh, Is it... Brookstone? No, no, I'm sorry no. it's not Brookstone either. It's Linens and Things. No, oh. oh, Wow, a lot Big of... competitor to Brown Squirrel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so that song was uh, So What by Pink. Mm. This song is from 2017. Mercury, so that's a synonym for the surf shop that's gone, though. All you teens pretending to be surfers spent, though. Buying your board shorts and your flip-flops here, bro. Mercury, yo. Steven. Quicksilver? Yeah, Quicksilver yes. is right. Oh, it's a surf shop. For a bonus point, can you name the song or artist? Uh, uh, Despacito. Yes, Yay. that's correct. See? This song is from 2017. Ooh, need a power suit for women. I've been selling them since 1963, then. Sensible attire for the mall's adults. Ooh. My store name means restricted Made a tween store too That's somewhat contradicted They're no longer there Try and tailor Loft Eli Limited? Yeah, the limited (laughs) That's (laughs) right Bonus point if you name the song Or the artist (laughs) 1970
2: It sounds like uh, I'm a rebel 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 Uh, Rebel Just for Kicks is probably not the name of the song. No, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Yeah,
0: That was Feel It Still by Portugal the Man. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it was. Of course it was. Yeah. This is your last clue. This song is from 2008. You're white and you're red. You failed and you're dead. You sold us TVs, Walkman and CDs. Poor metropolis of electronics. Where no one would shop. Now Best Buy's on top. Eli, Circuit City. Yeah, yeah. you got it. Can you name the song out or artist? And
2: you're, in the year, out uh-huh. the air. you're wrong when you're
0: right. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Katy Perry. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Feels <laughs> good. How'd they do, Afira?
1: All right, great set of games and congratulations, Stephen. You are moving on to our final round. While Adrian and Steven get ready to play our final round, it's time for us to play a game. Please welcome back to the stage, Aparna Nancherla. Okay, Aparna, this is called Fact Bag. I have a bag full of trivia questions (laughs) written on envelopes. You, Jonathan, and I do not know the answers. So I'm going to read a question, we'll discuss, and then I'll open the envelope to find out the answer. Okay, here we go. According to Merriam-Webster, what does the word pumpernickel literally mean? Huh. So, what are the characteristics of the bread? I guess yeah. heavy. Heavy. It's like a heavy, heavy bread.
0: Brown. It's rye, right? Does it have rye in it? Caraway
1: in it. Full of nickel. Yeah, full nickel. of nickel. <laughs> it's made mostly from shaved nickels. <laughs> Maybe it's someone who's dumb. I don't uh, know. Yeah, it like means like a dumb, I mean? dumb person? Loaf. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I yes. hate that guy. He's a real dense loaf.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think that's the answer. I
0: like Look that. Dumb guy. I think dumb that's guy. a fantastic guy. out of the blue answer. And <laughs> I think we should go with it.
1: Uh, whoa. The answer is pumpernickel means farting goblin.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we were, we were, <laughs> we were so We close. would have worked around to it. <laughs>
1: Miriam webster says the word was first used in 1738. It comes from the German pumpern for breaking wind and nickel for goblin or devil. Apparently, early recipes of pumpernickel bread were notorious for causing flatulence. Wow. Okay, according to scientists, what animal effectively uses its tail as a fifth leg, making it the world's only known pentapedal animal?
0: Tail is a fifth leg.
1: I mean, I think of Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, right? Didn't he bounce oh, around? Yeah.
3: I, yeah. Ign-
0: Does it say if it's a fictional animal or a real
1: animal? Uh, I think it's a yeah. Probably it's, the a world's real only animal. yeah. So it's not Tigger. Not Tigger. Fifth
0: <coughs> leg. You know, monkeys are monkeys yeah. are pretty. Uh, they got pretty good tails.
1: You got pretty good tails, but don't you think it has to be like a very <laughs> dense tail?
0: Well, to be used as a as A, a dense leg.
1: loaf of a tail. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. A dense loafy tail.
0: <laughs> oh, wait. What about a kangaroo?
1: That's got to... they big
0: They got big tails, and they're always... Aren't they always, like, sitting back on their tails?
1: Yes, they are totally oh. sitting back. You're totally it's right. It's got to be a kangaroo. Mm, I'm just opening this right up and telling Jonathan Colton he's correct. Ha! The red kangaroo.
3: <gasps> <gasps> so good. Nailed it.
1: Scientists in Burnaby, Canada, studied the way red kangaroos walk. They found that red kangaroos use their tails to propel themselves forward with more power than the rest of their limbs combined. Essentially, making its function as a fifth leg. Huh. Okay, last fact. Pluto has a geographical feature called the Tombaugh Regio. What is it shaped like?
3: Hmm. Okay. Uh, I didn't even know we were still talking to Pluto. I know.
1: <laughs> it's interesting you say that because we bought a um, mobile and it doesn't have Pluto. Of, of the <gasps> solar system, it doesn't have Pluto. And wow. my husband is like up in arms about it all the time. It's upsetting. He's like, we should add Pluto. I'm like, but maybe that's not what we should add. Maybe we should be moving with the information that is contemporary. <laughs> uh And he is super upset by that
3: Pluto doesn't exist. It feels like a band broke up, and you're like, I miss Pluto. (laughs) I miss Pluto. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Maybe the Tombaugh Reggio is shaped like a tear. (gasps) Yes. Or a broken heart.
3: (gasps) Yes. Or he's like a teardrop tattoo. Pluto murdered someone. (laughs) (laughs) Murdered solids.
1: (laughs) Okay, Mm. I think we like that tear. Or what did you say, broken heart? Maybe it's
0: shaped like a farting goblin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The answer is a giant heart. What? (gasps) Wow.
0: That's crazy.
1: The region was first seen in 2015 in a photo of Pluto taken by the New Horizons probe, covered in nitrogen ice and shaped like a heart. It was named after the astronomer Clyde Tombaugh, the man who discovered Pluto. All right. Well, that's it. Our fact bag is empty. Oh, thank you, Aparna. Aparna stars in Corporate on Comedy Central. Give it up for Aparna. Nature, everybody. It is time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalists, Adrian Claremont, who wants you to know that med school is pass fail. But don't worry about it. And Stephen Powell, who says, once you knit, you can't quit. (laughs) Adrian and Stephen, your final round is called Palindrome Thunderdome. Every answer is a two-word phrase that is a palindrome, meaning it is the same spelled forwards and backwards. For example, if I said a deity plus a canine, you'd answer God dog. Our big winner will receive an Ask Me of the Rubik's Cube signed by Aparna Nanchurla. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Stephen is going first. Here we go. Stephen, it's a Mexican food in a folded tortilla plus a feline. Taco cat. That is correct. Adrian, it's a man-made chlorinated body of water plus the shape of Toucan Sam's cereal. Pool loop. That is correct. Steven, it is the first word in the title of the 1988 Miyazaki film, Blank, Neighbor, Totoro, plus a place where you exercise. My gym. That is correct. Adrian, it's a spinning toy, plus the name of George W. Bush's Springer Spaniel. Top Pot. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. The answer is top spot. Jonathan Colton, how are our contestants doing?
0: Stephen is in the lead, two to one.
1: Stephen, it's a place where trash is taken, plus wet dirt. Dump mud? That is correct. Adrian, it's the Latin word for therefore, plus the type of creature Shrek is. Ergo ogre. That is correct. Stephen, it's Italian for love, plus Italian for Rome. Amore
2: Roma. That is correct.
1: (laughs) Adrian, it's the first name of retired basketball player Rodman, plus what you did if you broke one of the Ten Commandments. So the second part is sin. Um, So I guess backwards that's... Ness, but I wonder if there's a letter I'm missing there. Um. Three seconds. We were looking for Dennis Sint.
2: Whoa. Wow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're at the halfway point of our questions. How are things going, Jonathan?
0: Stephen is in the lead, four to two.
1: Stephen, it's a word for isolated, plus a brand name acetaminophen pill.
2: Um... (laughs) <laughs> Epinephrine forlorn. <laughs>
1: Close. Epinephrine forlorn. We're looking for lonely Tylenol. Oof,
2: that's um. tricky.
1: Adrian, it's a South American pack animal. Plus, there's a famously large one of these in Bloomington, Minnesota. Um, thinking about llamas. Um, llama mall. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stephen, it's a word for intelligent, plus the team that lost the 2019 (laughs) Super Bowl.
2: The Smart Rams?
1: That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Adrian, it's a dangerous feat performed by an actor's double, plus what planters sells. Stunt nuts. That is correct. (laughs) Stephen, it's a word for malevolent... Plus, a pitted fruit often pressed into oil.
0: An evil olive.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Ophira, here's the situation.
1: Oh, thank you, Jonathan. What's the situation? Steven is in the
0: lead, 6-4. to four. Adrian, if you get this question wrong, he will win the game.
1: Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last name of French fashion designer Christian, plus what R2-D2 is. Dior droid. That is correct.
0: There's now one question left for each of you. Stephen, you're in the lead. If you get this question right, you win.
1: Stephen, it's a word for something that's acidic and sharp tasting, plus a small fly. A tart rat? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good, I'm going to say. Sorry. Sorry, the answer is tangy gnat. So it's now six to five. Stephen is in the lead.
0: Adrian, if you answer this question correctly, you will force a tiebreaker.
1: Adrian, it's an African antelope, also known as a wildebeest, plus a word for animal excrement new dung, starting with a G. Yes. <laughs> Really good. OK, we are down to a tiebreaker. Grab your buzzers. Here's your tiebreaking question. It's a contest to see who can reach the finish line first, plus an automobile.: Steven, race car. That is correct. Yeah. Congratulations. Well done, Adrian. So great. And congratulations, Steven. That's our show. Ask me another's house musician is Jonathan Colton.
0: Hey, my name Anagrams to Thou Jolt a cannon.
1: Our puzzles were written by Camilla Franklin, Carol Lee, Scott Ross, and Emily Winter, with additional material by Kara Weinberger. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Another is produced by Mike Katzeps, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Nancy Sechow, Ramel Wood, and our intern Sean Gold, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grundman. We are recorded by Rick Kwan, Noriko Akabe, Valve Tone Recordings, and R. Davanello's. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, the Bell House, Hot Heel Blues, and our production partner, WNYC. I'm her right begonias, Ophira Eisenberg, and this was Ask Me Another from NPR. <laughs> Howdy, Texas! This September, Ask Me Another is bringing comedy, nerdy games, and trivia to the Lone Star State. We'll be stopping by San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, and Austin, and we need listeners like you to be our contestants. If you think you've got what it takes, visit amatickets.org, drop us your email, and we'll send you the contestant quiz. This is NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, we've got not one but two guests for you. Actor Topher Grace from That 70s Show and the latest season of Black Mirror. And from Broad City, actor Arturo Castro. Plus guest musician Julian Ballard. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions.